we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. Hi, this is Marlene, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. I'm doing good. <clears throat> I'm doing well. Everything is good here on the farm, on the new homestead. And I'm not even going to I'm not even gonna attempt to give an excuse about why I don't have a chicken film for the video portion of this episode. I'm just going to like just ignore that whole thing. But let's get to the good news. And you know, as far as I'm concerned, what the good news is about, it has to do with who the go the guest is, and I know some of you um, have been asking so much about um, information, interviews with people that are familiar with Bigfoot, Sasquatch, however you want to call them, and uh, abracadabra. Here we are. The guest tonight is Mr. Ron Moorhead. Let me tell you about him. He's an adventurist, a positive someone. I love that. Who loves life, but often lives it on the edge. As a scuba diver, he swam with the hammerhead sharks. Uh, he's uh, been filmed in Mexico's Pacific Ocean, riding the back of giant manta rays. And he's been a safety diver for the filming of right whales at Patagonia. As a private pilot, he's flown his own aircraft, aircraft from the Alaskan bush to the Costa Rican jungle. Besides traveling to the ancient Mayan civilizations in the Yucatan, he's also flown into a remote jungle area of Chiapas, which is Southern Mexico, on an anonymous Mayan discovery expedition. What he saw was thought to be one of the last remaining strongholds of the Mayan people. He's also ventured into Western Nepal, Suclafanta Wildlife Reserve. I don't know if I killed that name, but to help assess the tiger population 
explored the jungles of Bardia on elephants and been in the wilderness of Siberia looking for evidence of the Russian jetty. You know, we're going to talk about that, yes. He has made two trips in South America exploring the enigmatic structures and the non-human remains of the pre-Inca people. Over the years, Ron has been interviewed by several radio programs, and he's been televised by the BBC and other learning channels. He was a guest speaker at the Darwin Museum in Moscow, Russia, and for a year he's given presentations at symposiums and conferences about his Bigfoot Sasquatch experiences. Uh, he has shared his accounts, uh, and he has a book, Voices in the Wilderness, that chronicles his 40 years of researching this enigma. Besides the book, he's produced two CDs with actual Bigfoot vocalizations, focusing on the interaction he and others had with these forest giants. Um, and I want to, I don't know, I want to, I want to welcome him, and it's like I don't even know what to ask him to get going on this. How are you doing today? <laughs> doing well. <laughs> I'm telling you, I am. Wow, you have done it. You must. You must. I mean, everything is like how many? Uh, they could do various Discovery Channel programs on your adventures. <laughs> <laughs> I don't count them anymore. I've been doing this for 50 years now, so. Um, I can imagine. Let me ask yeah. you, and, and it sounds like you've been all over the world in different locations, remote locations. But let's let's look at this particular thing, which is the Bigfoot Sasquatch. Sure. Um, I don't know what to, what happened. How did you get interested in this? Was it something <laughs> that you happened upon in one of your uh, travels, or something somebody told you? How did that come about? No, actually, I was uh, friends with a group of hunters, but I wasn't a hunter, and they. Uh, had uh, encountered something in the Sierra Nevada mountains of California, which uh, about eight miles into the wilderness from the closest place you could drive to. And uh, uh, it's about 8,400 feet in elevation. So uh, they had gone hunting. A couple of brothers, Johnson brothers, had gone up there that summer earlier to uh, just assess the camp, see how it's like, because it's, uh, it's pretty remote and pretty, pretty imposing to get to. But they had these things come in, and at first they thought it might have been a bear, but then they realized the sounds didn't represent a bear, and they're avid hunters. They've been going there since 1958, actually. This started in 1971, okay. and uh, they came out with a story about these things. So they seen it went out there after the commotion had stopped, and they found this big track uh, out there by the, by the stove, which had been packed in by mules and reassembled in the mud, and they... Um, they came out and told the rest of the hunters, which were all, all of them were my friends, but again, I wasn't a hunter at that time. And uh, one of the guys, uh, they all went back up there, let's put it that way, just to see what was going on. And uh, one of the guys heard it, and he, you know, first, he, he didn't know what to, where to put it. Very religious guy. He was mm -hmm. very uh, thrown aback with it because it just uh, it scared him off. As soon as daylight came, he left a note and told the others he's out of there. So he, he didn't go back and wouldn't go back. He came out, told the women that what the Johnson brothers told him earlier was true. There is something, some kind of monster up there that's messing around with them. And uh, anyway, uh, the men didn't come out when they were supposed to. So uh, he didn't want to go back by himself. I was friends with them, and the wives were all worried because they didn't know they didn't know what to expect. They just knew they might they could be eaten, they could be whatever. They don't know. It's just a monster. And uh, so, anyway, I, I, I was asked to go back with him, and I was glad to do that because, again, they were my friends, and I wanted to know what was going on, too. So we made the trek in there, which was very hard for me. I almost killed me getting in there. It's really a tough trip. I thought I was in shape then, too. But 
got in. The guys were okay. They just, just put an extra day because of all the commotion going on with these big giants, whatever they were. And mm -hmm. uh, they came out, and uh, I, I got involved in the group that way. And I started wanting to go back. So none of them were looking for Bigfoot. It was just a hunting camp and all right. heavily armed. So uh, really, uh, uh, that's how I got involved. And from when, there you, on, when you went there, did you did you actually hear or see anything or were they oh, yeah. so trustworthy that you're like if they're saying that they heard something oh yeah they showed me a track and showed me some because uh, they'd, they'd taken some recorders back with them they showed me some uh, the tracks wow. and uh, some sounds that they'd recorded and i know they're all trustworthy guys they're they're mm -hmm. very outstanding businessmen really and uh, very uh, uppity uppity guys and so I believed them, and uh, anyway, I got involved in the group, started going up there a lot that same year in 1971, started encountering these things myself with the, a couple of the other guys when we could all, when any of them could go, right. and uh, we all started recording them, and it was 1971, 72, the winter, when the snow ran us out, we couldn't go back anymore, that uh, Johnson, uh, Lewis, or Warren Johnson, he's kind of the leader of the group, he wrote a 23-page letter to Ivan Sanderson, who thought it was probably a hoax because nothing like this happens to people, right? Right. And uh, uh, so he sent it to a guy named Peter Byrne out in Oregon who thought the same thing. Somebody's pulling somebody's leg. But just because he thought he'd go ahead and send it to Alan Barry, who, who was in California, very close to where we were. He's in Reading, actually working for a, a, news, excuse me, a newspaper at the time. He came down and interviewed us and was convinced that maybe we thought there was something going on, whether it really was or not. Now, he went up there thinking it was a hoax, too. So mm -hmm. he was an investigative reporter. So we invited him up in 1972. He went up and he started recording them also. And uh, he's the one who fostered the studies that we had done on these things, uh, showing that they were not hoaxed, that they were credible, that they had not been manipulated, they had not been slowed down, they had not been speeded up, they had not been manufactured. There was no 60-cycle hum in them. A year-long study at the University of Wyoming by a professor, Curlin, an electrical engineer, a professor of electrical engineering there. And that was a big step, but it wasn't quite enough for academia to swallow the whole thing yet. Just because. <laughs> However, uh, Dr. Curlin's uh, credentials are impeccable. He gave a presentation on this up at uh, Vancouver, uh, B.C. in 1978, I think it was. And it's called Anthropology of the Unknown. And uh, his whole paper was uh, put out in a, in a book that was published by the UCB Press in uh, 1980. And uh, so anybody can read the full article there. But he showed the graph to where they, they were inside, outside, above, and below the human, average human range oh. of, of humans. So that was a big significant step, really. But again, it wasn't enough. So we just kind of sit on it. We had, you know, people making fun of it a lot. So because they, they still thought it was had to be hoax. Nothing like this happens, right? Uh, where these things are actually messing messing with a group like like were us. And again, we were high. We had high powered guns with us. We weren't uh, taking a chance like that. Uh, the sounds that when you play them, they're very aggressive sounding to start with in seventy one, seventy two, and then um, later on in seventy four, they were still coming around and. Uh, it's a family of them, I say. I was going to ask you, yeah. was it more than one? Uh, yes, yeah, it's a family of them. And uh, we find different size tracks, and we hear different types of voices, and you hear the voices interacting with each other, uh, mm -hmm. stepping on each other. So at the time, you don't know if they're asking for the salt and pepper or who's going to eat us first or what. You don't know. <laughs> right. You're just uh, kind of sitting there wondering if you're going to choose your way out or if they're going to come in and get you. But again, the one guy wouldn't go back up, and uh, he didn't 
to this day, I don't think he goes back up and spends the night. Uh, some people just, I'm sure, it just it's kind of creepy. Their, yeah, their yeah, reality, but, it's like, nah. Yeah, but they didn't attack us. Uh, they seemed to keep coming around and taking the food we leave out. And we were underestimating what we were dealing with. We thought they were just an ape out in the woods that hadn't been discovered. And a lot of people okay. still think that. And that's what most researchers look for is the ape in the woods. Uh, but we were having other unusual phenomena happen up there, too, uh, all these years. Because this went on all the way through 76. Things still go on up there. As, as early as uh, 2016, when I was up there, we had some things going on. But the close-in stuff, the stuff that we recorded and had had analyzed by the University of Wyoming, uh, it stopped in 1976 when we when something happened up there that we kind of regret in a little way. But we had to shoot this bear in camp. And uh, mm -hmm. that's another story. Uh, it wasn't until 2008 till a cryptolinguist accidentally ran across these sounds. He heard them on the BFRO.org uh, mm -hmm. program. And he thought, well, I hear language in that. Uh, he's a cryptolinguist who... Okay. Who, been trained by the military, two-time graduate of the Crypto-Linguistic School of uh, Languages in Monterey, California, uh, foreign languages. And he's been trained to decipher any uh, fakery in languages, and if it is a language, and just what's what's creating these sounds. And he studied them. He came out and actually interviewed us. He was teaching foreign languages after his retirement from, uh, from the Navy. He started teaching foreign languages at a college, and uh, he came out and uh, interviewed myself and one of the other guys to find out the context of some of these sounds and ask if he could study them himself. So he went back and studied them and actually transcribed a, a language within these mm -hmm. sounds. And what makes that incredible is that uh, it takes a human vocal mechanism to create the language. Right, when right. I say language by the human definition of language means a, right, a, morphine, box, exactly. a morphine stream of words which make a sapient sentence. And uh, you've got that. You've got something only humans are supposed to be able to do. Yet this is out the, outside the human range. <laughs> and that really makes a puzzle to it. Al Berry also had a master's degree in science. He was the investigative reporter, like I say. He fostered the studies. And he said, whatever you do, don't talk about the strange things that goes on up here. The lights, the... Well, I was going to ask you. What you said, strange things, and it's like stranger yeah. than this, or as strange. I got to What what was going uh, on there? It's all kind of convoluted together. Uh, you might see orbs. You, you know, I seen a UFO once up there. I seen uh, what I would call a UFO, a big blue ball coming down from the sky, okay. controlled, and right. uh, just uh, sounds that you couldn't find the source of. Uh, okay. Unusual sounds, not just vocalizations, but one time we heard a big tuning fork up above us, and in, in the daytime, and yet. It's wow. like a huge something, that, but you couldn't find the source of it. And uh, you wonder, um, a lot of people ask me why you didn't get a picture if all this stuff went on. That's the big question, because we tried to get a picture. And mm -hmm. he seems to now fox us every time. We could set up camera traps and all that, and they'd go a different way into right. our camp for the food and all. So uh, it was kind of a, a mystery. We, we took those things. One time we thought we had a herd of horses coming down to our camp, and really? there's no horses doing that, you know. Uh, one time I thought I heard a car door slam outside this camp, and now we're eight, to eight miles in the wilderness. There's no roads. And you're thinking, there. how did, where? Uh, how? how does that happen? How does that happen? Exactly. They're, they're found out, I think, they were toying with us uh, to see what our reaction would be. I don't really know what their thinking was because I didn't get to talk to them. I, well, right, right. I'll take that back. I did try to talk to them in, in uh, 1974 when they came into camp and we started uh, – they started interacting with us while we're outside the shelter. Normally, they wouldn't re they wouldn't do any sound, so we were inside the shelter. Mm -hmm. It was very elusive, and uh, 
So I got to see one that night in 1974. It was, a, it was just a glimpse of one shooting down through the trees. And he'd been making noises up behind me. And, uh, and then we, it was a little one because it was a little voice down by the creek. And, and we think the mother was down there with that. And they were interacting with each other when this one gave the samurai cry, they call it. And that was coined by Matt Moneymaker, actually, from the BFRO. And uh, he, uh, he was trick streaked down through the trees, just real smooth, very, very fast. And uh, uh, interesting. It was a good night because really the word is if you don't see what made the sound, you don't know what made the sound. But we know that there's no 60 cycle in these. They were not faked. They were not we knew that, but you have to have the professionals behind us. So we got the the professor of electrical engineering saying the tapes were not phonied up. They were not. They were not doctored with. or anything. In any way, you got the cryptolingers trained by the military to be just that, and uh, he said that humans can't make these sounds. <laughs> and I've got okay. some other other people uh, who are sound professionals uh, who uh, claim the same thing. They can't do it. Humans can't do it. Yet, according to Dr. Lieberman of Brown University, he stated that only humans have that vocal mechanism to create language. You know, apes don't have it. Uh, dolphins don't have it. Uh, even though they, everybody has a way of communicating, but with language, only humans are supposed to have that ability. These things have that ability. And we got that recorded. You know, we got their, their stuff going on. And for years, we recorded them. We got yes. tons of that stuff. Uh, we released it uh, a couple of them in the CDs that uh, that I produced uh, mm -hmm. with the narrative. One of them was narrated by Jonathan Frakes, Star Trek: uh, Next okay. Generation. Right, that's, right. It's about forty minutes long, and it's uh, it's got the sound integrated. Al Berry wrote that, and I produced it. And then uh, a few years later, I uh, his encouragement, I produced one of my own with the sounds of the interaction I had in 1974, the night I got to see one. So uh, that's where it goes, and uh, I've been working at, I travel the world, uh, I'm in all the places. It, what The introduction gave me sounds pretty good, didn't it? <laughs> well, let me ask you, you, it sounds like you've been consistently going back there through all these years. Yeah, we have. Are they still there, or they're not, or not as I, many? You know, I don't know, the anomalies are still there. Like uh, 2016, okay. I was up there. Now in 2011, I did have some something going on with the chattering, and they were there then. Okay. So, I can say as, as early as 2011, I know they were there. Mm -hmm. uh, it was 2016 when I was up there with somebody else, and we was in this this tent. We had taken the shelters, not livable anymore, kind of tore up. And uh, I saw this light uh, about three or four foot long uh, going by our tent, just controlled. Okay. Uh, like a, I call it a lightsaber, sort of like mm -hmm. uh, Star Trek. But we watched it for several several seconds. I mean, it, would, it wasn't going fast. It was just moving slowly through the trees and uh that was a little concerning because you don't know what it's all about sure. uh, but it got me into what 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 could cause all this you know what science is behind it because alberry says stay with science he said he was master's degree in science he says don't talk about the crazy stuff that goes on or you won't get invited to talk anywhere and right. we started talking at different conventions and Place. He passed away in 2012, but he became a good friend of mine. We started doing quite a bit of this stuff. And, uh, but the travels I've done was mainly to, uh, well, I could afford it, number one, lucky me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was able to do those things that you mentioned. And I've had a good life, and it's been very exciting and no regrets. But, uh, anyway, uh, have you had similar encounters? Sometimes you hear like there's different, I want to say, versions 
of Bigfoot, depending on different parts of the country or different parts of the world? Yeah, there's different. I, well, I get into an alien component to these things because I think there is. Okay. Uh, Twenty percent of sightings are correlate with a possible UFO sighting. Yes, exactly. And that was, I thought, very interesting statistic that I got out of the Huffington Post in 2012 when they published it. I apologize. I <laughs> don't have this on. But anyway, keep going. The um, um, they are. How can I say it? Because you hear like, and I know some of these shows are not really, let's use that word scientific, you know, that they have like um, different names, you know, colloquial names, depending on the part of the country. And, and in some, they, they're aggressive and others, they're not aggressive. And some they're, you know, they have a certain coloring. Uh, of course, there's the Yeti, you know, that you hear about in the Himalayas. Uh, and they are different, but they all seem to have that same, how can I say, original uh, profile of something that's quasi-primate human. If that's the, that's the yeah. best way I can well, think of. Well, you've got of. the reports of the dog man. You've got reports of all kinds of crazy things goes on. But I get into this in my studies of quantum physics because it's there has to be an answer. And if you're going to get science behind this thing, I think the answer relies in quantum mechanics which is a proven science, but it's how everything actually works throughout the universe. We, we're raised to think that only uh, classical science, which is Newtonian physics, is all we, we grade everything on that. Exactly. And, uh, and yet it's, it's based on the fact that uh, you have to see it, touch it, feel it. Uh, it's material, exactly. physical, uh, measurable, predictable. Uh, that's not true with quantum science, and yet quantum science actually overrides it. That's how it was developed, actually, by Max Planck in the 1800s. He got the Nobel Prize for it in 1918 for quantum physics. That's where Einstein, Tesla, Bohr, uh, Stranger, all these physicists of old, uh, they they were into that, and physicists nowadays are into it, but. But you get classical science, and that's what most of the researchers are using solely is just classical science, and they don't get into modern science, which is quantum physics. And I think they they do a disservice to themselves by not looking into that, really. It's it's how everything actually works. Uh, Nikola Tesla had a quote here. The day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. I like that saying because... Yes. And also, you got Edgar Casey, Professor Dr. Casey, who said uh, it takes classical and quantum sciences together to have clear perception. Well, you put all that together, and why wouldn't you want to use quantum science to try to figure out the unusual phenomena that's going on? We only see within certain frequencies. You know, we, we everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. And when you get into studying that, you realize that us, even at our most minute level of existence, we are energy. That energy cannot die, according to Stephen Hawkins, and, and according to physicists, according to quantum mechanics, energy doesn't die, it just changes form. So if you're religious, you might say, well, I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Right. If you're a physicist, you're going to say, well, I'm going to change, I'm going to go into another dimension, some other form. Sure. Even Einstein wouldn't guess that as a spooky action. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody nowadays, whether you want to call it science fiction you know, or whatever, people have heard parallel dimensions or parallel universes or... Uh, you know. Hey, Tom. I'm heading to Walmart because you know what season it is. Oh, is it pumpkin spice season? Uh, no, it's flu season. And Walmart gives flu shots. Yes, flu season is here and we've got your back. 
with flu shots where you already shop. Our expert pharmacy team administers each flu shot and can answer your vaccine questions. Stay safe this flu season. Stop by your local Walmart pharmacy and get your flu shot today. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. And, and, and get what you said about, and I had heard of this from other, from other sources that an uptick, let's say, in Bigfoot sightings correlate with an uptick in UFO sightings in certain areas that, let's say, that they're measuring. Do you think it's because there's interdimensional travels and be, one does and the other one comes through? Or is that why you think that they're kind of, there's a correlation? Yeah, I think there is. Uh, there are portals. NASA studies portals all the time. That's a fact. Uh, people say, oh, a portal is you. You know, that's a problem. People go from, they think you're the science ape camp over here. They're just flesh and blood only, nothing else. Or right. you're, woo, you're in the woo-woo. Well, if yeah. you're in the woo-woo, you're in the same camp with Einstein and, <laughs> and yeah. Tesla, those guys. Because, you know, they can go to church and believe in God, which is woo-woo. Right. But they can't believe something else can happen outside of what they can see with their eyes, which is ridiculous if you think about it. Um, we only hear within certain frequencies. We don't hear ultrasound or infrasound. We only we only hear our sound frequency, which is mm -hmm. between 20 to 20,000 hertz. And yet you got ultrasound and infrasound, which dogs hear uh, can right. ultrasound. Infrasound is something elephants, big animals communicate with, but we don't hear it. We feel it, but we don't hear it. So there's a lot going on we don't see or hear. There's only three dimensions, three dimensions that we live in, four if you want to count time in there. But there's 11 established by the mathematics of quantum science. And if you realize those other dimensions exist, you realize how aliens can exist. And I think our government acknowledges aliens now. They're acknowledging Well, yeah, they're kind of like trying, like like they're dragging their heels on it, but yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're feeding us just a little bit of time, whatever they think we can sure. take. Yeah, that's all they'll give us. I think they're underestimating us humans. Well, as, as in the general population, like I said, everybody will probably kind of wig out a little bit, uh, have a good, good couple of drinks, or maybe get drunk and then say, okay, let's hear it. <laughs> they don't want to have everybody rewriting history books right now, I guess. That's oh, what's you know, happen. well, yeah. you asked a good question. Why wouldn't they? I'm going to tell you, usually when you see so much resistance, is there's egos involved, <laughs> egos. Uh, ego is our human fault sometimes yes of you course you know it. if we if we propose this for so long as the truth the fact the only one sometimes certain uh universities you know academics they scientists whatever whoever they are they have a hard time saying i was wrong or i have to amend my prior <laughs> yeah. findings or no they a lot of people yeah. sometimes have a problem with that and then that's when you have that resistance you're so so looking right, at alternative right, yeah. explanations. Well, Max Planck, the uh, winner of the Nobel Prize in 1918, said the science changes one funeral at a time. <laughs> there you go. See, he knew what he was I talking like about. I like saying, yeah. too, because it takes a fresh thinking to go into yes. something different. And yes. So many of these professors and the academia have been trained within a discipline. And I understand them. I've been with them a lot. I spoke with them over different places. And 
I understand where they're at. They lose their tenure if they get outside their parameters uh, mm -hmm. of their scientific discipline, and they have to stay within that. You know, have to find things yeah. that are just certain ways, and that's where they're at. And if they get out of it, they 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 will take a beating. And Dr. Curlin, who studied our sounds, he took a hit. Uh, Grover really, Krantz, when he when he uh, did the when yeah, he, did when he came out and said, "Hey, there's something going on here," and uh, uh, and Grover Krantz, who's professor of uh, anthropology over at the University of uh, Washington here, he, he he passed away right here in the town I live in now, but uh, he also took a hit. And I write about that in one of my books, too, before, before going out on the limb and saying these things are, uh, they're out there, they're a remnant of the Gigantopithecus, which mm -hmm. a lot of science want to lean that way because there's actual hard evidence of, of those things existing. That was a right. an entity they think stood upright. They're not sure about that because they just found the remains of a, teeth, a lot of teeth and jawbone, part of a jawbone. Mm -hmm. so, but it was huge. And uh, again, 10 to 12 foot tall if it stood upright. And they think right. maybe it did. But they don't know if it was sentient or not. Uh, these things are sentient. They are, I think, a human, a type of a hybrid from a possible right. alien intervention into a primate. And that will that will tell you what the nuclear DNA is. The mitochondrial DNA, which has been studied twice by two different uh, uh, physicists, uh, yeah, not physicists. Uh, Geneticists? Thank you very much. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like my iPhone is deciding that it doesn't want to turn off the sound. And I'm going to have to switch it off. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ron. Um, what are you telling dad already? <laughs> I'm telling you. You're, you know, your kids. Uh, I'm telling you. I, you know, your kids grow up and they, and you move away and, uh, Nobody gave him the memo on it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I was going to tell you, Ron, is that usually when you know when when you start talking about um, the 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 genetics, you know, you know, I'm sure you've heard the the flip side of you know the UFO or ET intervention that there's people that say a they've extracted DNA and basically. Uh, from from humans like they're doing some type of hybrid you know hybrid type of et human thing and it makes you wonder are they or did they do something along the same lines with the bigfoot creature did they take yeah. some type of primate uh yeah. and did do something along those lines yeah they manipulate the dna of the genome and that, that creates whatever they manipulated too. I think there's an experimental program going on with uh, alien intervention. They experiment with the different species on this planet. That's why it gives you uh, all these reports now of a dogman, even not not to even yes. speak of the Bigfoot. You know, that's been seen so much. But however, this has been going for eons, and uh, it's just nothing really. You what know, I don't advanced intelligence. Has, advanced intelligence has been here. I've seen the evidence of it in Peru and Bolivia, where I've been, and. Uh, Anyway, the, the ahead, thing I, with the dog man, that's a whole, that, that even scares me. That, that one scares me for some reason that like <laughs> the description of that, that you think, uh, again, that human quality kind of that ability to be bipedal and, uh, according to stories that you hear, uh, a cunning that you don't see in a, in an, a regular animal. How's that? Yeah. Um, well, if and you that's, believe uh, 
I was going to say, if, if you believe my uh, theory about uh, alien intervention into different genomes of different species, uh, they can they can manipulate whatever they want to in the in the DNA and make what they what they're trying to make until they get it right. And I think they well, let me back up a little bit. The Earth, I think, is the jewel of this solar system. What okay. other entity on this, if they're in this solar system, wouldn't want to be here? Uh, okay. They they do want to be here, and they've been coming here for eons. And uh, I, I know this and. If that's been happening, and it has, uh, what are they doing here? Why are they here? They're trying to acclimate their species to this atmosphere. Uh, they are able to move through consciousness. They are able to go out of our perception, uh, which I think that's what Bigfoot does when they claim they disappear and claim trackways stop. And there's a science behind how that happens. I write about that in my Quantum Bigfoot book. So it's, uh, it's there's a lot to look into. And uh, looking into it in just an hour, I'm talking to you about 50 years of doing this stuff and interviewing mm -hmm. a ton of people that have told me different things. And you finally you start putting the dots together. When you have so many people tell you they saw one disappear, and then you credible. Right. People, not just some flyby guy that's been, you know, stoned on something. <laughs> you right. No, 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 no. That, credible people I'm... saying this stuff, and and you got to give some kind of wonderment to it. Are they all nuts? Are they all lying? Are they all delusional? Or did they really see something? And in that, uh, when I told you that tube of light that went by me, you know, this let me person. that 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 right there. That's well. That's, if you look at uh, you know David Polites, who wrote the Missing Four Hundred One series of books, and he's produced some films now. Yes, I took him up there in two thousand eighteen to show him uh, the camp and let him interview me. He's the first one and only one I've ever allowed to ever one I've ever taken in there to do something like this. And they did a real good reproduction of that. So you'd see exactly what I what we was witnessing that night, uh, pretty much exactly anyway, this tube of light going by us. And uh, it's a little concerning. You don't know again what it's going to do or what it's all about. I think it's just energy. Because when they do change out of their form, if mass somehow, mass can turn into energy only. Again, we're all energy. Everything's energy is most minute level. So if you can convert the mass into just energy, through frequency, and I think that's how it's done. I think that's how the megaleptic structures in Peru and Bolivia were done through energy, frequency, vibration. Uh, everything is that. So that's how I think a lot of the mysteries are solved is through looking into quantum science. So right. there. <laughs> I, um, the other day I was, you know, I was talking to somebody about, you know, that thing about, you know, people abductees saying, you know, oh, uh, you know, recovered memories about that they've, taken you know genetic material from them besides the all the probe and i was saying well you know what because exactly like what you said well why would they i mean if you would think these beings are have obviously they're more advanced technologically and i was thinking yeah but you know what maybe at this point in time our genetic material is very good because basically we've survived thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years of different diseases and we've overcome them. In other words, we're hardier. Maybe our genetic material is very sought after because of that. Well, and we're evolving still. You know, we're not. What yes, we're, of course. We're not. Well, we're, we're not what we're going to be if we keep evolving. And you only vibrate. You only evolve through vibrational frequency. If you can raise your personal vibrational frequency high enough, I think that's how you evolve. There's a way to do that too. So. Well, yeah. um, let me ask you. Do you think that? And I'm thinking, you know, because, you know, you've hear from, you know, from the beginning of the, you know, how there were pl plagues and different types of sicknesses and, you know, swaths of the population that were decimated throughout the years. And, 
you know, I'm thinking maybe they're technologically more advanced, but maybe when it comes to reproduction, I guess is the best thing I can think of or genetic material, they're deficient. And maybe that's why we're attractive besides, when I say us, I mean humans as in besides the planet itself. Uh, and of course, I'm sure you've heard, you know, other reports of actual, I mean, the most famous or the most well-known are the cattle mutilations, but, you know, experimentation, like what you said with animals, maybe it's overall all of the living things. Yeah. Uh, you talk about Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of money. Government, our tax money has been spent on that project there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that they've stayed. They, yeah. yeah. So there's things that we just don't know yet. Uh, we, we are learning, but again, we have to learn how to learn, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, so but anyway, we... Uh, we're, we're doing it. I think we're getting there. It's just a long process. I don't think they're allowed to interfere with our decision-making because I think that's mm -hmm. what it's all about is experiencing here things on this earth, us experiencing things. How we react to those experiences is what's, what raises our personal vibrational frequency. But I think that's where ghosts are seen too. They're okay. caught between in the fourth dimension of time and they can't, they haven't uh, raised their vibrational frequency enough to get into the fifth dimension. Uh, or maybe they have chose not to go there because right. they want to respond better than what they did before. So maybe they uh, go to re-embodiment, which is reincarnation. If mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, some religions don't go for that, but most of the world religions do right. uh, believe in multiple embodiments. And if that's the case. You're here to respond to things, and you're, how you respond to them is so important. So I uh, wonder why uh, I was involved in this Bigfoot thing. I don't know for sure, unless it's so I could talk to you tonight. You know. <laughs> well, this when you have you do you think that um, one of the theories I've heard about why sometimes Bigfoot is difficult is that they're masters of camouflage. In other yeah, words, they, sometimes they're there, we just don't see them. They could be, yeah. I think I don't think they're all the same, and some of them I think have also crossbred with indigenous people and become more diluted, more human-like mm -hmm. than others. I right. think some of them are very, probably perfectionists at camouflage. Yeah, they could get by a tree and you would think it's part of the tree. I've had a lot right. of reports of people seeing a tree and all of a sudden it gets up and walks away. <laughs> right, right, so, right. Yeah, they, they are certainly, some of them are that way. But I'm not sure what we were dealing with up there was that way. Because what we were dealing with, there was uh, sentient entities. And uh, I do think there's uh, very something special about some of them, like the ones we were dealing with. And there's other ones that are just like a big ape that maybe a relic hominid has evolved through the ages and learned how to camouflage very well and cross crossbred too, which means they would have to have 23 pairs of chromosome like we do. Do you think they're aggressive again? And I know this is, yeah, I've heard both reports. Some are aggressive towards humans and there's others that basically want to stay out of our way, maybe observe us at most. Sure. Well, again, it depends on the agenda of what's what's there they're not all the same i, I gotta keep going with that but uh, i'm trying to tell you one mystery when we haven't even solved the first one yet <laughs> right <laughs> you know? right and i you know, know everybody gotta... tries to like put it under the same umbrella <laughs> so they could explain let's say if they want to do the big thing yeah. like yeah this this is all there is and it's it's like it's there's not one size species. fit all exactly uh, there's like there's a species out there that's just going to uh, uh all be the same and that's just not the way it is i don't think do you um, yeah, I, maybe we'll get you know we'll uh, we'll have a, a, a what they call a bingo night you know we'll get 
actual ET UFO disclosure along with Bigfoot disclosure at the same time. Well, we're Maybe. getting a little bit of time. I think we're going to be inundated with uh, alien uh, aliens pretty soon. I mean, we're going to see them more. We're not seeing them now because they stay out of our way. We, as human beings, have been given the dominion on this planet. It's our planet to mm -hmm. screw up. And believe me, we're screwing it up. Well, there's wars going on and right. we're killing each other. We're hurting each other and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. we really got to stop that if we're ever going to get ahead uh, as, a, as a human race. And uh, mm -hmm. yet these, these beings are, are out there just not wanting us to do that a lot of them i think yeah but at the same time like you said that free will kind of thing like we all have free will they have free will too but i think again they're not supposed to interfere with our karma what we're supposed to respond sure. to sure even if they're going oh what are they doing what <laughs> yeah yeah well you know the, the the roswell incident which has now been acknowledged this really did happen mm -hmm. it wasn't a weather balloon that happened after we uh, set off the atomic bomb you know world mm -hmm. war ii and uh, that was that was concerning, I think, to the aliens. And uh, I think yes. they're concerned now because of the potential wars that we got going on over. Right, right, right. And it's like, yeah, and of course the uh, the the weaponry is much more sophisticated now mm -hmm. than it was back then. Yeah. And yeah, the, the 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 loss of life would be extensive. And and in the in the background, we've got these other things going on. And I think sometimes the you know how you said people sometimes are resistant to accepting the, the existence of, let's say, something like the Bigfoot creature. I think also we have this thing that we're the kings of the mountains, you know, when it comes oh, to yeah. nature. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, what do you mean? There's something else out there like us? And it kind of like makes us worry. Like, what do you mean? We're not we're not the uh, pinnacle of everything creation. Oh, so many, yeah, well, that's what people think. Yeah, I mean, well, who was it? Uh, let me back my little, I got a little something here. I'd like to read you. It was, uh, yeah, Galileo. Mm -hmm. he, uh, he was put on house arrest uh, for claiming that the, the earth circled around the sun. Yeah. <laughs> he was put on house arrest for the rest of his life because he claimed oh. that. I didn't know if it was for the rest of his life. Yeah, that's what I read, and that's what I wrote down here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just, uh, poor man, you know, he, he claimed something that was truth, but no one wanted to buy that. It's called cognitive dissonance. Yes. And when you have that, uh, so many people have that even today. They can't accept new information when it goes against what their brain has been taught. And we're, we're just creatures of what, what we've been taught. Our brain can only take what it's been taught. Right. And if something strange comes into it, it brain wants to fill it with whatever it knows, unless you're ready to open your mind up and accept what, you, what you're seeing then. Wow. Uh, we're, we're, in, in that case, we're very primitive. We're driven by pleasure and pain. And to us, pain is the unknown or the, uh, do I really want to open that door? No. No, there's a lot of knowledge to be gained, but no. Yeah, we're we're kind of very primitive when it comes to that. As far as our minds, we, you know. Yeah. Oh, we got a ways to go. Oh, we do. But we've got I a mean, long uh, way, though. I don't and wanna, you know, I the don't masters, know. the masters of old, uh, all the, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, uh, Buddha, these, these people that taught love and compassion, uh, they said that's the key to everything. And uh, I don't know about you, but if I could learn how to turn water into wine, I could make a lot of money. You better believe it. <laughs> and I, I haven't learned how to walk on water yet. <laughs> you know? However, we're supposed to be able to do a lot of things we're not doing. No, I know. So we, we got a ways to go. And I think it's how we connect our, our heart, brain, and pineal gland together. Our heart brain has to have a coherence, and you have to connect all this with the third eye, which has been calcified by our diets and by uh, fluoride. Exactly. 
by what we the do. The fluoride and everything, exactly. Yeah, but Which, that's our receptor inside our head. That's how we communicate with the consciousness, the, the universal consciousness that everything is. And we're separated from that. And once you can connect with it and, and let it feed your outside brain, because you know, when you get that gut feeling inside of you mm -hmm. uh, that something should be a certain way and yet your yes. brain will talk you out of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's you your imagination, you know, that, that inner chatter. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're being people, foolish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tell people, you know, sometimes, sometimes we know when we dodge the bullet. We do like, you know, something tells you don't do this, don't do that. And you find out, wow. But sometimes, for example, let's say you, for some reason, you don't go down a certain route. This is to work that you normally do. For some reason, you follow your gut. And maybe you avoided this huge accident, but there's yeah. no way for you to ever know. In a rapidly changing world, people wonder more and more about where their food comes from and how it was grown. The farmers who grow America's corn understand how important this is and want to share the stories from our farms of how we are working to grow an incredible crop that can be an answer to sustainability questions and is grown by men and women who value the air, water, soil, and our natural resources just like you. To find out more about how corn farmers are working to feed and fuel a vibrant economy and healthy planet, visit ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Just hearing the word cancer can be frightening. At Kaiser Permanente, we're a leader in the prevention, early detection, and treatment of cancer. We keep track of your cancer screenings and remind you when it's time for the next one. And if you ever do hear that word, our teams of specialists use cutting-edge treatments to help make other words like hope, recovery, and cancer-free possible. Kaiser Permanente, tomorrow's health care today. Learn more at kp.org thrive. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid Atlantic States Incorporated, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852 that because you alter alter your path you bypass that accident or it never occurred to begin with because you were not <laughs> present <laughs> well we have to go through linear time you know that's what we're doing day by day mm -hmm. uh, I, I i kind of use the analogy of a book if you're out in your other dimension after you passed on you're just looking at what's going on you can look at any page you want to in this world mm -hmm. of uh, however how many years it's been here and see what's gone on uh, but we have to go through linear time. When you get into quantum physics, time as we perceive it doesn't exist. And that's hard to get your head around. So it's oh, hard sure. for people to, and they don't even want to delve into quantum physics because it's really not an easy thing to get your head around, but you can conceive how it, what it means and how it works. And that's what I've done. I've just uh, been dealing with this now for several years. And I'm, I'm kind of cemented in the fact that that, and I say fact, it is a fact. It is a science. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's, that is how you get to the bottom of the mysteries behind Bigfoot is how they, how do they disappear? If they disappear, how do trackways stop? Now that's, that I used to throw people out with baby water when I heard them say that too, like a lot of researchers will, well, the helicopter come down, pick them up. How'd the trackway just stop? Uh, until right. it happened to me. Okay. And, then, and then I happened. <laughs> my daughter saw one, uh, when found his trackway, uh, it was really deep, something very heavy by people made this thing. I didn't see it, but she did. And, uh, started following the trackway and all of a sudden it just stopped. And uh, I looked up in the trees, could have jumped in a tree. I looked over yeah, boulders. Yeah, like where'd it go? Where'd it go? Well, it it's all goes into matter, matter, which we're all made of matter, but at the most minute farm, we are energy, which is going to just, like I say, change forms. If they've learned how to change their matter into energy only, they mm -hmm. wouldn't have the density to make a track. Yes. 
And if you watch that 401 film, The Hunted, Missing, Missing 401. Yes, I've seen, it. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. Well, the rod going by is, is our camp. And I'm in that for about 15 minutes, I guess. The, the mm -hmm. interview he did with me was videographer and all. But the series right after the episode right after that, for about 15 minutes, was the best person who claimed they seen a pixel. She was bow hunting up in a tree. And she seen this pixelated form going from one tree to another tree. And uh, that kind of frightened her. Same time though, they found out the a bunch of kids down at the a bunch of people actually down at the high school uh, has was watching a UFO. Now yeah. there's a connection there going on. We think, and it's just fun delving into this stuff. I've been doing it for right. so many years now, and I, I'm really enjoying it. But you see that, and then you hear the reports of pickization form. Uh, I've I've heard too many reports like that now to just discard. There has to be a science behind it, and the science is quantum physics. Sure. In my opinion, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, but no, and it's true. You know, the, 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 the they can alter the rate that they that they vibrate. I mean, they could, and it's maybe something they do just as easily as breathing. You know, to us, yeah. we, we don't get it, but to them, maybe it's just like, you know, I'll just like do this, and I can do that, and they slip into, you know, maybe I a little pocket yeah. out of our dimension, and that's it. I suggest maybe they have a vocal cords that's so much superior to ours because the sounds we had, uh, humans can't do them. Perhaps they can make the frequency and get the vibration going to, to just what we're talking about right now, to change their matter into energy and then back again. How they do that, it's, it's only speculation, but they might be doing it through the vocal mechanism. Did you, when you went, because I know that uh, you mentioned here that you had gone to look for the Yeti. Are there familiar stories uh, as far as, I imagine the people there that live there, it sounds like they believe it as far oh, as. Oh, they do. In 2014, a National Geographic sponsored team went up there with a geneticist. Mm -hmm. And at 17,000 feet above Bhutan in the Himalayas, they found eDNA, which is environmental eDNA. Mm -hmm. And she came back and studied it and uh, found that the uh, mitochondrial, which is the maternal side, was 99% human. Well, that's wow. pretty. That's pretty phenomenal, and that matches Melba yeah. Ketchum's uh, findings that she got down by the scientific community because they said it had to be contaminated because nothing. Uh, it's not human, you know. Whatever they are, they, you know, science isn't supposed to do that. They're supposed to have an open. Exactly. To trying to discover stuff and not down other people just because they found something they couldn't find. Sure. Uh, but anyway, uh, she said they were very much on the maternal side human, but she also went into the nuclear DNA, which is the male counterpart, which would determine what, what who the male was. Mm -hmm. And uh, out of 227 billion samples, they couldn't be matched to anything. So she wow. went into the ancient text of the Nephilim and the biblical accounts mm -hmm. of uh, aliens in, in her breeding with the genome of humans and creating giants. And uh, that, of course, the sample she had was from supposedly Bigfoots and uh, she had, I think 108 samples, over 100 samples that she tested. Okay. And uh, she swears by everything she's got that they were not contaminated. Right. So she's being vindicated, I think. And uh, as soon as science allows it, now science mostly is funded by our government dollars, you know. Right, right. And they, they want the narrative that they're going to pay for. So a lot of times science won't, won't touch this field just because, uh, well, they, they'll lose their funding. And, uh, yeah, and I know, and it always comes yeah, down to it comes down to money. Yeah, yeah. But even the giants, I've been in the Lovelock Caves, in Nevada. Uh, that was one reason I went to South America to see if it was a crumb trail of of uh, Bigfoot up here. 
Uh, and uh, there is, you know, you find so, uh, stories of the Mayans being, or the Aztecs, excuse me, the Incas being warring with the Aztecs and the Mayans, and you find Mayan stories saying they warred with giants in the north, and you go up in the north and up where we are, the Nevada, the Lovelock Caves, and you find the Paiutes with the story that they were warring with cannibalistic giants, red-haired giants, and uh, that's what the caves were all about. They just supposedly went together and, and drove them into the cave and then burned them out. And I've been there four times, but you can't find the remains anymore. Supposedly in 1918, uh, I think it was, when the Batwana miners uh, went in there and found these remains, uh, they were they were taken out and they were displayed for a long time. But then the Smithsonian uh, has taken them away, and Repatriate Act, they call it, and you can't you can't see those things anymore. Really, they won't allow really? it. No, no, they don't allow it. They don't have them in the museums there anymore. They used to have. However. <clears throat> I got a picture of one before they ever took them away. I got a oh, picture yeah. of one. I didn't take the picture. Right, uh, right, old, right. But yes. old friend of mine gave me the picture of one. Yeah. Isn't that so good? there's a lot going on. I think our government uh, hides a lot from us. I think everybody kind of agrees with that. You know, they're much as we pay them. Do you, do you think that more, I don't want to say, um, what's, what's the best word I'm thinking of? More, uh, that sometimes private companies, they do their own research. You know, usually you would think of universities being the ones that would do this type of research. And of course, you always thought that they wanted to be the ones to make a significant discovery. I've heard that, yes, that the private companies do. But private uh, companies, I think, now are the ones that are doing that. Whether they let it out of the bag, that's a whole different story. But Right. Yeah, I think private companies do. They put a lot of money into, you know, what Tesla discovered, some of his, well, the inventions that's been done, they, they don't want some of that stuff out because it'll destroy right. our economy. If we got, all had free energy, what would that do? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that boy. But, uh, you know, that stuff could be coming the way we're, the way the earth is right now with the economy, yeah. the way it's going and yes. uh, everything like that. It's just. Uh, there was, uh, I don't know if, you re if you've ever saw it. This is This movie, I think, is about maybe 10 or 12 years old, something like that. It's called Chain Reaction. It's one of those action movies, Keanu Reeves, but the whole premise of the movie was that they made a discovery of free energy, you know, mm -hmm. and the inventor wanted to release it to the world, the people of the world. And of course, the whole movie, the premise of the movie is, well, the inventor got killed and everybody that won his team, they were trying to run away because exactly what you said, that they couldn't, he could, they couldn't do that. They couldn't release <laughs> free energy to be used right. by everyone. Uh, would uh, yeah. There's so much technology available that is actually known by mm -hmm. private companies, which is all underground, pretty much. Sure. Uh, it's it's all known, but again, they can't release it. They give us a little bit at a time. I think just what they think we can handle, that we'll accept, and that's where it's going. I think, and that's why I think we're gonna we're gonna see more and more about UFOs and aliens uh, before long. But at the same time, now let me ask you, and and I have my own theory on this. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with, well, you know, back in the 50s, we had the flying saucers and, you know, back into the 90s, we had the X-Files, which it makes it sound like the government and the and the ETs have this relationship. Uh, what do you think? Is that actually accurate or do we know a lot less than people think that we know about extraterrestrials? I think we, we, we're we going to learn a lot more. Uh, we're we're being inundated a little bit at a time, like I said, uh, with information. A lot of it's through programming, through 
what you're mm-hmm. seeing on uh, these Star Wars and things like that. Right, right. Like uh, you know, there's all kinds of uh, people say, well, how could a, a Yeti live in such cold weather? Mm-hmm. Well, how do they know what it can do? How do you know what? Sure. You know, it, uh, some of the species might live underwater in some other planet or something. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, it's acclimated. It's acclimated. Uh, and that could be intelligent, like the octopus is now. You know. Uh, a lot of people think the octopus might be actually from alien uh, inter- mm-hmm. aliens, really, because it's so smart. Yeah, it's very intelligent. Uh, the way they camouflage, I've seen this underwater myself. Uh, these things just changing, like the squid does. I've, I've swam with those things too. Those are spooky. <laughs> do you think that all our technology, all of the technological advances that we made, do you think is that we're smarter? We back engineered some. Uh... Oh, I think we do back engineer. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So there's another question. Is some of the saucers we're seeing just back engineered? Because you got uh, the Germans and during World War II were doing mm-hmm. a lot of stuff with uh, you know, all the science that was over there came over here. Yes. <laughs> after yes. the war. And so we got we got the cream of the crop there. And uh, I think we're back engineering a lot of stuff. Uh, okay. For sure. I have no doubt about that, really. And sometimes people... it makes me wonder, you know, maybe we were smart, but maybe we really... Because I'm thinking, you know, how you have to be really careful. I imagine when you're back engineering technology that you really don't understand, as in, what if you do something you shouldn't or tamper with something you shouldn't, you know, like that, oh, that's sure. what I guess is my concern. Like, are, <laughs> how, how much have they back engineered? Uh, I imagine a lot of people have lost their life trying to do stuff that, uh, <laughs> that's what I'm yeah, you we know? never hear about that, right? Yeah, no, yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't, no, no. Uh, what you hear would be different than what happened. Probably. Well, yeah, you know what? And, and I've heard, especially if in the military, sometimes things happen to certain personnel and the families never get, they complain later on that they never get a straight story about what happened to, you know, this person. Right. You know, they get a very like uh, generic explanation. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that sometimes that falls into that, that uh, case as far as maybe what they were involved in. Um, right. Do you think? Do you think that you know? You hear also, you know, in this area where whether you want to call it ufology and the Bigfoot and uh, even the the physics that's involved in it, the the technology, where they I've heard of people being told, "How's that Men in Black?" Do you believe them about the Men in Black? And I know that's that's you know used uh, sometimes to you know say that the government comes and tells you stop looking into that. Yeah, I do. Uh, there's a whole yes. They're still out there too. <laughs> right, right. Not, you know, yeah, I know. Everybody just... thinks of it like the nineteen, the you know, yeah, the guy they're... with a suit and a black tie. But yeah, <laughs> they're not all dressed in black, though. <laughs> right, right. No, I know, but that prototypical. They'll impersonate you know, things just so. to try to get information because really they're after information. A lot of them are, but mm-hmm. they uh, there's a yeah. I'm sure there's a. I feel pretty confident that's going on today, even. No, 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 no. I have not been. I have not been circled with black helicopters or men in black. <laughs> no, yeah, I know, but, but I've heard of people from very credible sources that. Uh, yeah. They are like. Uh, they interrogate. Or they <laughs> eavesdrop, or they, you know, in other words, it, it's you know how you you get attention when you're over the target. Otherwise, nobody would pay attention to you. <laughs> that kind of thing. All yeah. of the above. Yeah. Yeah. They. Uh, yeah. This is fun. Well, it's fun you talking know what? about this stuff. Of course, and I think that with the advent of the internet, 
I think it's that's why it's become it's mm -hmm. almost like the the internet has opened the door for sure. communication everywhere at the same mm -hmm. time and sharing experiences and ideas and it's like that's really hard to keep a lid on that you know as far as when you've got people one way or another communicating about theories or reports eyewitness reports you know it wasn't like back in the 50s where what was it after roswell they published oh it was a weather balloon and people were like well okay <laughs> you know <I> was like, <laughs> you know what yeah. were you gonna do yeah uh, now it's like nah and uh, this is the real story and this is you know this is uh and, and like i, I i'm i'm ho the other day i was thinking man i hope in my lifetime i see et disclosure and i'm thinking nah, i don't, think, oh, I don't have, don't have to worry about that i do too yeah i mean it'd just be it'd be great i'm i'm 79 years old now and i just uh, i want to see it in my lifetime that would be so so good to know just uh just if i'm right or wrong now, i haven't been like i said i haven't been surrounded by guys in black yet <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, I know everybody tells me. But up like, here, I did close to where I live is where the Maury Island incident happened, and there's been a film made on that where a, a UFO, uh, several of them were actually were seen here uh, outside of Seattle over the Maury, Maury Island, mm -hmm. and one of them started dropping debris out of its UFO, and it fell on this boat that was down there, killing uh, the guy's dog and, and breaking his son's arm, wow. and some of it dropped on the island itself, Maury Island, and that's that's. There's a feel about that. These guys I know made it, and uh, I speak mm -hmm. with them every once in a while. But uh, it's interesting because that was just before Roswell happened, <laughs> and, right. and uh, it's all kind of you don't hear about that, but yet it happened, yeah. and it's been it's publicized. It's it's a fact. It's not like it's woo woo or something like that. But to me, I could change it into paranormal, supernatural, and all that. The nomenclature, mm -hmm. how, you, how you pronounce all the talk about those stuff. It's just synonymous with quantum science. So, yes. uh, and you have to excuse me if I'm a little rum dumb. I'm still on jet lag. I just got out of a convention back east, and uh, oh, prior wow. to that, prior to that, I was on an expedition in Alaska <laughs> doing some stuff. Whoa! Okay. You like you're like. <laughs> well, I'm still I'm still moving around. I'm still vertical, <laughs> but it's it's a fun life. I, I got to tell you, it's it's been great. Uh, doing this stuff well because i imagine what now it's summer there in well kind of summer up in in alaska right well it's going well, into it's, summer it's better it's, it's not i about frozen one night up there <laughs> besides that uh, back in the 80s one time i remember june at the first week of june i went up to yellowstone mm. and they had snow banks like what and i couldn't believe it and you could tell they had just opened the roads up into yellowstone because before they you couldn't go in there because of the snow and it was june and yeah. I, was like, I can't yeah. believe this well, I, I used to live in Mariposa down by Yosemite, and uh, okay. you could get snow in June every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, just amazing. I mean, it melts right away because it is summer, but that's unusual. But yeah, I can. But Alaska, you know, because of the daylight time, mm -hmm. June 21st up there is the longest day of the year, and they have this all night football games up in the Fairbanks. <laughs> the sun don't go down, it just goes over here, touches the bank, goes over there, and touches the bank, goes right back and forth. Yeah, like and I used to live up there as a, as a boy uh, in Alaska. It's quite, it is quite the wilderness. And uh, I, I was uh, been, I was been flying around in a helicopter up there this last trip. And it was, uh, it's, it's there, a really the last wilderness. I've, I've heard since, sounds you're very, very familiar with Alaska that you, I've heard about the Alaska Triangle. That yeah. there's um is that is there accuracy to that those reports that, that there's a grouping of things that always happen in that 
between those three points? There's a lot of sightings, a lot of unusual phenomena happen in those. Yes, the Laxer Triangle. Yeah. Right. And that's where I was, uh, part of it, researching something up there. And that, that I can't talk about it under a disclosure thing, but it should be in a film out uh, probably first next year. Really? Well, I hope so. I mean, you never know about production companies, how they're going to, yeah, what they're going to do to you. If it doesn't fit their narrative, they don't do it. <laughs> but what is, but what is, what is the film about? Is it about that subject? Well, that's what they don't want me to talk about is what oh, they did. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Marlene. Ask I asked them how much I could reveal of this, and they said, well, we want to surprise everybody. So. <laughs> okay. But yeah, there's some very interesting stuff going to come out, I think. I uh, think that's... Uh, a lot of mysteries up there. Yes, yes. And God knows, the when you look at the things, the wilderness out there, I imagine there's places what nobody's ever been in. Oh, or, absolutely. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, or uh, I was filming a lot of this stuff going over from the helicopter, to, and uh, just uh, I had forgotten just how because I'm a pilot too. I had my own plane. That's why I flew around Alaska quite a bit myself, and it's just a vast country. It's like you go into like Buenos Aires or one of those places like that. As mm -hmm. far as you can see, as high as you can get in one of those buildings, as far as you can see, there's nothing but buildings. <laughs> in Alaska, yeah. it's like that. Except as far as you can see, there's nothing but mountains. Wow. Mountains and fly. You fly at 200 miles an hour, and you're Mountains, 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 the mountains. Crazy stuff happens to people flying though around in in Alaska. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, missing people up there. Yeah, a lot of missing people out of Alaska. Well, I'm gonna yeah. tell my own little Bigfoot story. This happened. It was in Northern California. This is the husband of a friend of mine that they still live out in, as a matter of fact, in Merced. And he says that when he was a kid, he went camping with his uncle and his dad. And they sent him down to like, I guess, I don't know if it was like a creek or a little lake side to take, bring in some water. And he says that he was about to, like he had just come out of, I guess, the tree line. And he said that all of a sudden he hears like the crack of a brush. So he says he stopped and he says, out of the woods, walked a Bigfoot, came down to drink water. over. The, and he says he just stood there like, he says he didn't move, not because he wasn't, it's just he was so scared. He couldn't move. He was like, uh huh. And he says that it drank water and then just walked back into the, the forest. He says he came back to where his uncle and his dad were at, and they just looked at him and they were like, What's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, And of course, they rushed, they couldn't find anything. And he says, he, And, and this gentleman, I, he's very trustworthy, no reason. He goes, Marlene, I've never forgotten that. He goes, But later on, uh, I don't think I went back camping until I was older. And even then, Nothing happened. He wasn't aggressive. I don't think he even saw me, to be honest with you. But I, I would never go uh, without some type of uh, firearm with me after mm -hmm. I saw that. I and, uh, I believe in taking firearms, and not just not for Bigfoot, but for those other things out there that can bother you. I got a 52-inch uh, hat. I got a hat band made out of a 52-inch rattlesnake, nine and a half rattlers on it, which we shot on the trail up there. That's so there's other things that can bother you. I usually put a little bird shot in the first two rounds of my pistol, and uh, it's that's for a bear, or maybe you want to have a grouse for dinner or something like that. But there's there's other things that can happen besides Bigfoot. And I think Bigfoot. <laughs> I like how you put that. Something could bother you. Okay. <laughs> well, humans are probably the most dangerous thing in the woods. <laughs> I know, I know, and I, I and you know what? I it's really funny, and I'm gonna be, this thing that sometimes I've heard of people going into the woods for different reasons. And there's people out in the woods living, like living there that are kind of very unusual that you have to be really careful. Also, it's not only the animals, it's like what you pointed out. 
Right. Sometimes you run into humans out there that uh, are dangerous, for lack of a better word. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I used to fly for the Sheriff's Aero Squadron, too, uh, for siding pot gardens when they were illegal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we used to sit on a bulletproof vest <laughs> yeah. in case you get shot at. You know, sure. You yeah. Don't want two or something. You only got one of them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things that happens in those woods. <laughs> So anyway, Ron, thank you so much. You have been wonderful to speak to. I wish you would come back, especially um, I'm going to keep an eye out, you said, for the whatever happens, if it happens next year. Uh, but for my podcast listeners, what website could you um, could they go to? Uh, I'm going to have a link to the to, in the credits of the show, but for the podcast listeners, where can they go to to get more information? Uh, Ron Moorhead, that's spelled one O M O R E H E A D, ronmoorhead.com. Okay. And that's my website. And I, uh, my Facebook page is Ronald.J, Ronald J. Moorhead. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's my Facebook page. I'm easy to get a hold of. I mean, I try to respond to everybody sooner or later. Sometimes mm -hmm. when I get busy like this, like I've been for the last few weeks, I I got to go. Well, I got to go somewhere else in another week or two. <laughs> down I California. Bet. I bet. Uh, yeah. But it's, it, I really try to respond as much as I can and, uh, to everybody. So. I'm easy to find. I'm, I'm easy approachable, and it's not not a big deal. It's I just happen to be in the right place doing the doing something and had this happen to me. So that's, um, I know, I, but you I'm know what? Yeah. So well, and and this is why I tell everybody, you know, all these stories, whether it's ET or Bigfoot, and you say, okay, let's take out the people that uh, are lying. Let's take out the people that thought they saw something, but they really saw something else. Let's still leave so many people with similar stories that there has to be truth for it. And I want to say real, I, I interviewed uh, about three years ago, a gentleman called Jim Smith. He passed away already. And he ran the big, the Alabama Bigfoot society out of Alabama. And he'd had it up since the 1970s. And he told me Marlene, you know, he says sometimes people would have sightings, especially if they're going down the road of Bigfoot thing or things. And they would call the police because they didn't know what else to do. So he says, sometimes these police would take these people over to his house. Because what else, what are they going to tell, you know, what can they do? And he told me, he goes, I don't know what they saw, but you could tell these people were telling the truth. They saw something. And he says that happened several, several times throughout the years. Mm -hmm. That they legitimately, it wasn't, he says, this, these are not people joking or, or playing a hoax or uh, people that had too much to drink or, you know, try, you know, out trying to see. They most, he says, the majority of them were not looking to see or look for Bigfoot. They had you know, a I've, I've had uh, I've had deputies come to me about this. Uh, not, not someone told them, but they've actually followed these things, followed the tracks in the snow. Right. I've had uh, highway patrolmen who've seen them, but they won't come out and tell it oh, to no. the public. That's or, a, or that's a career the, killer right there. Yeah, I know a guy right here personally that uh, he had to quit. He quit the deputy. He was a deputy for fifteen years. But he had one run across in front of his patrol car and. Uh, he can't report it. He could laugh. To me. <laughs> he can't. So anyway, there's there's a big stigma pro, uh, with this stuff. If yeah. you start acknowledging it as a professional, you're going to get banned. With yeah, it. you'll always be known as that guy. Yeah. But me, I don't care. Right. I, know. <laughs> I just I just say what I think, and there you are. I don't care. <laughs> no one's gonna, they get me. They get me. I've had a good life. What the hell? <laughs> like, All right. Okay. You don't blame me to us. Who cares? Next. <laughs> It was great. It was wonderful to speak to you, Ron. And if you, yeah, if you do play those sounds that I sent you. Yes. Well, no, I meant to mention, I've been checking all this time. I've been checking my email. I have not gotten them, which for all of oh. you, uh, Ron was going to send me some recordings over and I was going to play them. 
and uh, I'm going to amend the end of the, the episode and include them because one way or another, I'm sure he's going to get them to me. Uh, so I'll that, shoot them to you again. Yes, if you that. could. Yeah, and yeah. I will, uh, you know, play them and I'll amend them to uh, between now and, uh, you know, at the end of the show so people can hear them. Uh-huh. Well, I sent you the very aggressive ones that we we started oh, with. Okay. They're called a disagreement, I think, or something like that. And I got one called rapid fire, which is a male and a female, they think, uh, arguing mm -hmm. with each other. And then I got one that was made a couple of years later where I was actually interacting with it, where they were uh, yelling at me, asking me something. I don't know what it was, but I was uh, trying to respond to them in a mimicking fashion. We we're underestimating what we're dealing with then. Uh, I think totally underestimating them, we thought. Again. And you're thinking, I hope I'm saying the right thing here. They think, well, I was saying, I tried to say what they were saying. Yeah, right. They, right. they think that we think we're smarter than them, and that's just not like, the way it yeah. goes. Uh -huh. They are more uh, intuitive than you can even imagine. That's the human part of them thinking <laughs> we're smarter. <laughs> but I appreciate you having me on. Thank you no, very much. Contrary. It has been my pleasure. It's been great. We will talk again sometime. Thank yeah. you. Take care. Bye-bye, You Ron. too. Take care. Good Bye. luck to you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, wow. Mm. I apologize, everybody, for the everybody on my children deciding, my adult children, by the way, deciding that they must talk to me right away. And for some reason, my iPhone turn off sound thing is not working. You know, it's one of those things that, uh, such as life. But anyway. Um, when you hear from, you know, you, you speak to so many people and I've spoken to so many people like that Jim Smith, um, he passed away like in 2019 and I interviewed him like in 2017, he had been, um, he had been involved with Bigfoot and stories and everything since the 1970s. And he told me the stories and he says, Marlene, people would come, they did the police bring he says, and, and he says, and I had a couple that even told me, sir, can we stay here? Because we don't want to leave until it's daylight. <laughs> and you would think, and he says, these were adults because the, and he says they were truthfully scared. They saw something. And he says, and you don't have, know how many throughout the years besides stories of people like that, that would tell me these things of encounters they had, of sightings, of things running across the road while they were traveling down the road. And they just didn't know how to handle it. And of course, that's why I'm saying some of them, like, what else do you do? You call the police and what is the police gonna do? Yes, you had a Bigfoot sighting, sir, but that's not against the law. Oh, but you know, okay, well, you know what? We can go visit this gentleman who he might be help make you feel better because He's going to tell you that you're not the only one that's seen this. And, uh, and, and this is what I'm saying. Jim Smith, he was, um, he told me stories and, and really his experience was based on that. He lived in that same area of Alabama. I want to say the majority of his life, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> And it's almost like, I want to say, you know, you, you hear about Jane Goodall, that he's, she spent all these years observing the chimps because she went to, well, this Jim had this 
X amount of years of observation and hearing stories and anecdotes and everything for X amount of years. And a lot of what he described is very similar to what Ron was talking about. Okay. Same thing. You know, the, what people are describing, same thing, encounters that hunters have, people that are out there, you know, I, how can I say, um, maybe now in recent times, it's become more popular for people to go out there trying to find Bigfoot. But back then through the 70s and 80s, yeah, people had heard of Bigfoot sighting, but it wasn't like it is now. You know, a lot of people that would go camping or hunting, they weren't looking to have an encounter with Bigfoot. And nonetheless, they things did happen through all th those years. Uh, and it's... I, I, that theory that he talked about, you know, was or is Bigfoot a product of genetic tweaking with um, extraterrestrials with our genetic material? Sure, why not? I don't think that's far-fetched at all. Um, I've spoken on other shows with other people, same thing uh, about the, you know, that there's a, how can I say, for people that track that are able to track reports of UFO sightings and cryptid and or Bigfoot sightings that they find a correlation of higher numbers of sightings coincidentally at the same time or in that same area. Uh, that happens all the time. You know, it's more and more people now that, especially people that have been in there in the field and they received reports and they can look back and look at and say, well, you know what, from this time period to this time period, this is what came in. Isn't it weird? We had all these sightings of lights in the sky or whatever. And at the same time, we had this uh, huge increase of you, um, of ET sighting. I mean, not ET sightings, Bigfoot sightings or cryptid sightings. It could be a lot of different things or anomalies. Like he was saying, you know, uh, lights, weird lights, uh, things that you, because sometimes people think of uh, UFO sighting as strictly like I saw a spaceship, you know, no, sometimes it's strange lighting that you can't account for. What he was describing, here you are in a remote place uh, and somehow you're seeing lights or hearing noises that don't make sense why they would be there because you're out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's not like one of those things, well, sound travels. You know, you'll have people say, well, sound is really weird. It'll travel. No, it doesn't travel that far. Not if you're in the middle of nowhere, are you going to be hearing something that belongs in, um, what's the thing I'm thinking of, um, in the civilized world or in, uh, in an urban setting? Or even in a rural, nobody's going to be out there. Especially if you have to hike. to go. It, it just doesn't make sense. Those things are, you know, are we talking time slips? What are we talking about here? Are there portals that are open? And, and I spoke about this the last time on purpose, or are they just rips that mend themselves back up? But every once in a while they open up and maybe that's when and how Bigfoot or other cryptids come and go, or do they have that ability to change their vibrational frequency to be able to just, like he said, disappear? Which by the way, it, in, um, I mean, just about every uh, person that I've heard, uh, you know, that's talked about the thing with with either 
Bigfoot or other cryptids, they I've heard that before. They they, for lack of a better word, disappear in the sense of I'm following something and then it's gone. Even if it's not the tracks, it's like they just fade, like they dissolve. Now, and and I wish I had gotten uh, asked Ron about that, but um, you know I took into consideration also that he had jet lag and everything. But when he um, when he talked about David Pilates and his missing four one one, you know uh, about people disappearing, reappearing, sometimes alive, sometimes dead, uh, sometimes months later, sometimes with their clothing on backwards, shoes missing, or even. People and children showing up in places that it's physically impossible for them to have been put there. All right. Are we talking again? Uh, some type of people falling into interdimensional, you know, I don't know, rips. And the only problem I have with that theory, and I'll tell you why, in the sense of, is there something intentional behind it? If you listen to David Politis, he's crunched the numbers and he says there's like a there's certain things that show up in all these people that disappear. You know, he he's described where some of them uh, have some type of learning disability. Uh, he's even narrowed it down sometimes to uh, genetic backgrounds. I mean, a bunch of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if this was something that you know, talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time you fall into a portal, a rip, something, and that's it. All of a sudden you were there and then you're gone. You would not have a correlation of saying, well, these, these types of people are the ones that usually leave or go or disappear. It would just be haphazard, wrong place, wrong time. You know, you were standing there. Next thing you know, something opens up and either you fall in, and but there would be no profile, I guess, of who would be disappearing. And there is. So to me, that shows some type of, how can I say, picking people. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a something that they're looking for. So that shows some type of intelligence. Again, that, that opens the door again to a lot of other things as far as uh, I've heard theories of Bigfoot taking people, you know, is, is that the purpose of Bigfoot? Do, do extraterrestrials use Bigfoot to pick up, you know, instead of the, you know, the prototypical abduction, you know, being put, you know, raised up into the spaceship, are the Bigfoot the ones that the ET send out to fetch humans for them? Why not? I mean, I know people are going to say, wow, Marlene, that's way out there. Why not? Why not? And that that also explains why people just disappear out of nowhere. And maybe their return, unfortunately. Which, by the way, when you look at these disappearances and considering that David Politis, he says he's excluded a bunch of these disappearances based on, you know, there's people with mental illnesses, a bunch of other things. In other words, he kind of like really screens out people disappearing for a lot of other reasons. Um, when you look at it that, you know, a, a good portion of them are discovered dead or sometimes 
afterwards there remains years or months it's like it's like wow you don't want to think that that these extraterrestrials are abducting us and returning us in uh, really bad shape because a lot of the you know we 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 always hear this thing about abductions as in sometimes people some not everybody but sometimes people uh describe the horrific experimentation there's others that say that it's different it's not as bad or that they were more scared but most of the time you end up coming back alive and you know and i know there's some that will say you know i had a lifelong uh experience of abductions and you've even you even hear of families a history uh, of of family members as in generational but mo most of the time people come back alive maybe traumatized but alive but that would put a whole different spin on it if you found out that um that we were being picked up and or you know maybe that going through one portal and coming back does not everybody can handle it physically maybe it does something to us it alters us in some way physically that we can't survive it uh, you know for for any of you sci-fi buffs that have seen the fly when it goes from one to the other but when it goes to the other it doesn't you don't, you don't get put back together the way you should be even though I'm sure those people have been autopsied and I've never heard of that before but I know that that there's certain things that they have found in the in the when the Emmys do the examination on the bodies of people that have been if there's anything to recover because remember if somebody's been discovered years later and all there is a skeletal remains there's a lot of there's a lot of uh there's only so much a pathologist or can discover from the body if all you got is bones and some at best so I think it's so interesting I'm going to be if I haven't done it already I will be uploading the uh calls that Ron was sending over to me if I haven't inserted it yet which I will have and you'll be thinking okay Marlene we get it we already heard it you'll be uh, I'll, I'll find it if it's either in between his appearance that he got signed off and me or at the end and he described exactly what they are so let me tell you something I'm looking forward to it and again guys thank you so much for being part of my audience you're all wonderful and come back next week because I have great great guests coming on to talk about a lot of interesting things so until next time take hi everybody care. this is Marlene the following are two set, sets of recordings Bigfoot recordings taken by Ron Moorhead the first one that you're going to hear the title of it is fast talk here we go <laughs> Now the uh, the second one, the second one that I'm going to play for you now, 
the title on it is Child's Play. I believe this is more than one conversing uh, back and forth. Let's do it. Knock it off. And there you are. I'm not much of an outdoorsman or outdoors woman, but I know that if I heard that it, while I was in the woods, I'd be like, hmm, I wouldn't think it was a bear. I'll tell you that much. Again, thanks for being part of my audience. Take care. In a rapidly changing world, people wonder more and more about where their food comes from and how it was grown. The farmers who grow America's corn understand how important this is and want to share the stories from our farms of how we are working to grow an incredible crop that can be an answer to sustainability questions and is grown by men and women who value the air, water, soil, and our natural resources just like you. To find out more about how corn farmers are working to feed and fuel a vibrant economy and healthy planet, visit ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Just hearing the word cancer can be frightening. At Kaiser Permanente, we're a leader in the prevention, early detection, and treatment of cancer. We keep track of your cancer screenings and remind you when it's time for the next one. And if you ever do hear that word, our teams of specialists use cutting-edge treatments to help make other words like hope, recovery, and cancer-free possible. Kaiser Permanente, tomorrow's healthcare today. Learn more at kp.org thrive. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States Incorporated, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.